The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising, and have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it has been written through the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word, that I too may go and do him homage. After their audience with the king they set out, and behold, the star that they had seen at its rising preceded them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. They were overjoyed at seeing the star, and on entering the house they saw the child with Mary his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. Yeah, there's, there's so much going on in this, in this little Gospel passage. Um, it's the, uh, it could certainly be the source material for any number of homilies. So, uh, you know, as we, as we bring ourselves uh, before the Lord today to do Him homage, you might want to keep in your prayer intentions uh, the discipline of Father Daniel, that he, <laughs> he might stick to one or maybe two homilies and not all six of them that are presently in his head. So um, here we go. It's not funny. It's going to get funny. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you know, what do, what do we have? We have uh, this, um, the, the reading of the signs in the, in the heavens, right? The unity of God's creation. You know, how sad it is that, that we forget this, right? How sad it is that, that our hearts are numb or even cold to the fact that God is revealing himself to us in his handiwork, right? In, in his creation, we, 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 we attempted to read this story and think, ah, it's, that's kind of hokey, you know, uh, stars in the sky and, and telling them to, to, get o- to get over to Bethlehem to see the newborn king of the Jews. Uh, and yet it's, it's, it's we who are lacking there, right? We who are really living lackluster lives to believe that God would, God would not leave signs and, uh, and signposts of, of himself all around us. In fact, we know that's true, right? When we, we open our eyes and see, and see these things that we call coincidences that, that lead to the greater glory of God uh, and that, that lead to our own knowing God himself and, and learning to live in his praise and in his service. And we just say, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's by happenstance. You know, as though, as though God is, is not the great and wise uh, creator of all that exists. And uh, th- this story ought to inflame our hearts uh, to see the same. In fact, it, it's pushed a lot of us back to say, you know, wh- what, what were they reading in the skies? Yeah, and, uh, and we know it around, well, I should say, in 7 BC. Can I, well, so let me say this before I get going. This, this story actually unfolds a lot slower than it, than it appears, okay? Because I'm going back to 7 BC, and we're talking about here Jesus' birth 
And by the way, scholars would put Jesus' birth probably around 4 BC. Okay, so we just say we got the calendar wrong. It's not a big deal. It's like, (laughs) this doesn't prove anything. It's just like when we went back and tried to hit zero, we didn't didn't do it the accuracy that we wanted. But anyway, here, right, 7 BC, we know that two stars appeared um, together three times in the night sky. And those stars were Saturn and Jupiter. Jupiter is the star of kingship. And Saturn, in any, in any number of places, is a star that represents the Jewish people. So it makes sense that the two stars appearing three times in that one year, 7 BC, would be a sign of the new king of the Jews. And at least we have uh, three intrepid magi who believe this to be so and, and set out um, to, uh, to find this newborn king of the Jews. Of course, word of a newborn king of the Jews doesn't escape Herod, right, this power-hungry maniac, right, who, who uh, of course, look, anyone who's power-hungry becomes a maniac. This is just the, this is just the way it is, because we, you, you, can, you can pursue power all you want, and, and, it's, and it seems to be a worthy pursuit. Until you get it, then you have to defend it. <laughs> Right, so it becomes more costly when you have it than when you're pursuing it. And this is, this is Herod's story as well. His, his life really uh, unwinds the longer he occupies that position of power. And he, and he does lose it. And you could say he, he lost it when he, go, when he commands you know, the, uh, the, the killing of, of the innocents, right? He, he, he finds this, this baby Jesus such a threat that he's going to go slaughter a whole bunch of toddlers. Right? This is a sick man. Yeah, this is a sick Well, he's, I say he's sick, but he's... He's drunk on power, and, and drunk people don't make good decisions, believe it or not, people. <laughs> so this is him, drunk on power, and, he's, and he's, he's blowing it. He's blowing it big time. But he sees the baby Jesus as a threat. This is interesting for us because when we draw close to the manger scene, we're not likely to see that. But in fact, we should experience it at some point. We're drawn in adoration, right? We've gone, we've gone through any number of times the kind of process of prayer. When we go to pray, adoration, contrition, thanksgiving, supplication. And it's not just this kind of um, system of prayer, like, hey, take these steps, and this is, you know, this is good progress for us. No, adoration, adoration, contrition, thanksgiving, supplication is like the natural way, or even the supernatural way, by which, by which we encounter God in prayer. So the magi are drawn close by adoration, right? But it's, it's when you come to him, now you're bowing humbly before him. It's contrition, Right, Thanksgiving, they're offering gifts in Thanksgiving. And supplication, I don't know, we might, have, we might presume that they were going to ask the newborn king of the Jews for favor. Who knows, right? But, when, but you see, when, when we come close to Christ, we're led to an encounter, not only with, with the other, but it's a reflection also on ourselves. So you start to see where we are in the divine plan. And if we're not all that close to God, or we resist or, or, um, or, or oppose him, then we're going to experience that as some kind of violence. And this is part of Herod, I think, being, um, being pulled into, uh, uh, I don't know if I'd say craziness, but uh, real wickedness by the fact of his opposition to the rightful king of the Jews. Because in the end, this is a threat to him. Yeah, this is a threat to him. And I could say, also, Jesus is a threat to our kind of comfortable life. When we come in adoration, when we come to adore him, yeah, we do, we see where we are. We see, we see the light of the world, and we might experience ourselves to be lacking some light in any number of aspects of, of our hearts and lives. What are we going to do about that? 
Are we going to pull away like Herod and commit ourselves to, the, to a life of violence? Or are we going to allow Jesus, the Lord, to rule us in every aspect of, of our heart and our life? Are we going to submit to him or are we not? This is a big question as, as we explore kind of um, the, the, the symbolic nature, even though it happened in real life, yeah, the symbolic nature of, of the scene that's in front of us. Matthew, St. Matthew, in writing the gospel and also um, recounting this epiphany, this revelation of God to us, wants us to see that these, these things, one, two things, really. One is that Jesus is the king of the Jews. Yeah, he is, he's told us this, he's given us this account in order for us to see that Jesus is the king of the Jews. But right, right on top of that, he's, he's going to show us that being king of the Jews means that Jesus is the Lord of all nations. That's why the, the Magi are coming from non-Jewish land. They're Gentiles. And they're coming to do Jesus' homage as the King of the Jews, yes, but as Lord of all nations. And we had that, we, we heard that in the, in the psalm as well, right? The, uh, David give, giving, uh, singing the praise of God and, um, and showing that God's King would in fact rule over the entire world. We should, we should know that, of course, um, yeah, I'll skip some. I'll skip some of the stuff. The, the, we should we should know Jesus is Lord of all nations because He's the rightful ruler of our hearts. He rules our hearts, and in fact, this is if we look to the end of Matthew's gospel. Um, I believe it's uh, the twenty eighth chapter of Matthew's gospel. Jesus sends the disciples on on commission. Right, He commission He commissions them to go out and uh, teach all nations to observe what He has told them and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is, this, is the, this is the king sending his emissaries into the world. This is the king having his people go and um, announce his kingship to the world. Yeah, this, is, this, is, um, this is how Jesus is going to rule the world. So Matthew's given us the entire gospel here in this, in this passage. At least he's given us some, some foretaste of of what all is supposed to happen. Let me say this. We, we have to come to Jesus. Yeah, this is, this is perhaps the, the, the big part of the kind of symbolic reach of the story is to say, with the Magi, we have to come to Jesus. Let me say this. They're bringing gold and frankincense and myrrh, right? They're bringing the most costly gifts they could, they could round up and bring to him. But let me, let me offer this. Gold and frankincense and myrrh are worth nothing without my heart. Yeah, any, any sacrifice, quote-unquote, any offering that we're making to God that doesn't include our heart is not worth anything. So there's, good, there's a good little, I don't know, it's, 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 it's a good little piece of cheer for us this morning because I don't know if anyone has any gold bars lying around. If you do, then we'll talk after. But <laughs> we don't have gold and frankincense and myrrh. We don't, we don't have those costly gifts, we have, but we can bring our hearts. And we need to. And let me say this too. We're not all, we're not all in the same position as it relates to, I don't know, the, the, the condition of our hearts. Right? Many of us are broken, and we, and we experience that as a, as a day-in, day-out reality. And we experience life as a, as a bit of a challenge, and, and we've got to work through it, right? We've, and we've got, to, we've got to get up again. We've got to go to work again. We, we've, got to, we've got to go and do the, the things that are, are challenging again. We've got to work through grief. We've got to, all the, all the rest, right? We, we have hearts, perhaps they're broken, perhaps they're, 
They're burdened with many sufferings. Perhaps not. Perhaps we're the most joyful people in the world, right? We're, we're so, we've been blessed in so many ways. We're so thankful for everything that God has given us. But everything, wherever we are, whoever we are, whatever, whatever condition our hearts are in, we have to bring ourselves to, to Jesus. We have to seek him out like the Magi. I said the story unfolds a, a lot slower than, than, the, than the gospel would, would have us realize. But this, is, this happens over the course of many years. If we consider those stars shining in 7 BC and Jesus being born in, in 4 BC, which is right around the time of the, the death of Herod, then th- this, is, this is a years-long journey. Right? So it's, it's not as though it's ours now. Right now, here you go. We're coming to Jesus. We're bringing our hearts. He's going to heal us. He's going to... Yeah, he is. He is. But piece by piece and step by step, for anyone who's been on a pilgrimage, they'll know what, they'll know what that is, right? Step by step, we're walking to the Lord. And in our day, this is one step perhaps we're going to take today. But it's, it's progress that we want to make towards Jesus. The great thing is, of course, that he's not waiting for us in the manger. He's coming out to seek us. And that's what we find when we go out in, in search of him, that he's coming out to seek us. And he encounters us exactly where we are in order to give us his grace, to, give, to, to have us share in his own life of love and to, and to embolden and encourage us as we make our journey to him. And of course, as we come to encounter the light of the world, who is Christ Jesus, our lives likewise are, are made to light up and give witness to him so that as we kind of complete the gospel and are sent out by him, the light of the world, we can, we can give witness to the one who heals. We can give witness to the one who raises up God's fallen world. We can give witness to the one who breathes his life into us to encourage us and sustain us on our way today. And my friends, like, like I said, all it begins with our coming out to find him, our journeying with our, with our whole heart, our whole life, to encounter him, to adore him, to submit ourselves to him in contrition, to, to give him the, the, thank, the thank-filled, joyful offering uh, of our hearts and lives and to serve him with everything we've got.